0: Okay, Bismillah Rahman Rahim. Greetings of peace, everyone. My name is Grace Song. I'm the executive director of the Isuli Institute, and I'm so excited to be here with my dear friend, Whitsky Marison, today. We are going to talk about music. And so, we just finished something incredible. I'm so excited. I don't know um, if you are watching this, if you've already heard the music, but um, we just finished an incredible recording session yesterday. Whitsky um, has now completed her first album. We're getting ready to release it and, uh, you know, we want, I really wanted to have a conversation about your music, about your background, about, you know, um, the role of music in um, this tradition. Um, we are both Muslim converts and um, I'm a convert of 28 years. Um, Witski and I had a previous conversation in the summer. Um, which was a talk about the Muslim convert experience. Um, I introduced Witski and our other friend Joe, to exceptional converts who had incredible gifts, and Witski played some of her music for us back then. Um, You can find it on our YouTube channel. But when I when we met with Whiskey this summer, we heard her divine music, and it became a religious duty for me, honestly, to do everything that I could to help record, um, preserve, share, elevate this incredible gift that you have, um, and see, um, you know, or or demonstrate to people that, you know, Islam um, and music are you know, fully compatible, that music is a way to reach the divine, and, uh, you know, as a Muslim, I'm so proud to see, you know, and so touched to see songs that elevate something Islamic and beautiful, and I think most people have not seen that, heard that, experienced it, and so I wanted to share those songs and talk about, you know, what went into it so i wanted to start because it's you know hard to if you've never heard the music let's start by hearing something that is truly divine the call to prayer um, which you've done at the Suli institute and which we recorded and i hope well people will you know hear all around the world so could you please play the call to prayer
1: Allah, Akbar Allah.
0: Can you tell us about that piece? Yeah, sure. So
2: um, this is the call to prayer that is um, ritually performed before going into prayer to make sure everyone gathers for the prayer. And um, I mean, the first times I performed the the call to prayer is just as a part of that ritual, right? So. For me, the first times I actually got to call the the call to prayer the azan was when I was praying together with my girlfriends, <laughs> and um, I think it was during during Ramadan, like our month of fasting, when usually a lot, I mean a lot of Muslims, and um, do more prayers during the night than during other months of the year. So I gathered with a group of my friends, and we, we did the prayers, and then we also called the adhan Because, I mean, in most common settings, it's usually the men who call the adhan So as a woman, there's not, not that many opportunities to, to call the prayer. And I mean, as a result of that, many women don't really know how to call the prayer, or to how to call the adhan So I actually didn't know, but one of my friends did. And then the time afterwards, she was like, okay, now you do it, right? Um, so then I did it. And um, there was something very, very beautiful about just having that space to explore together, to worship together, and to be an, an active participant in in that form of worship, and to hear your girlfriend's voices and to really be there together. Um, so that was my first experience with calling the Adan. Um, I then came to visit you at Usudi, and um, you asked me to do the adhan, And that was absolutely frightening to me. <laughs> so I think I first rejected, finally rejected, saying, no, I'm, I'll listen to the beautiful Adans that are always being cold. Um, and to be honest, part of that relates to, I think, this immense pressure that at least to me was very much tied to this idea of conversion Mm -hmm. so this idea that okay if i'm if i'm gonna be muslim then i need to be a perfect muslim Mm -hmm. (laughs) then i need to do it all right um which is silly and i i cannot even fully rationalize the thought for myself like why would i need that I, i cannot get there but the feeling is still real right so uh, it's sort of like i came late to the party now i got to got to make up for that got to show that i really am right. muslim as well right i need to prove myself or something right. which is silly that's just it's, it's silly it's so classic. but sometimes it's good to express these things yeah. right so you see how silly it is right. so one of my things with the adhan was like but yeah but i'm i'm not going to be able to do it perfectly right and I, it needs to be perfect especially if i as a convert i'm going to do it as a convert and then as a woman, and all of these extra layers of pressure, thinking, well, then I really need to do it very well to prove that I am worthy to do this. Mm. Um, and actually, this is why I really like this recording of the Adhan, because it's not perfect. Mm. It's not perfect. There is a little, <laughs> there's a little moment where I, my Arabic slips a bit, right? It's not, it's not a major mistake, right? It doesn't change meaning. But it's not perfect and none of us are perfect but that doesn't mean that we cannot engage in worship and that it that doesn't mean that we cannot have that connection and participate in the rituals and i think that's why actually this adan why i wanted to keep this recording and not do it again even though i feel like i could have maybe <laughs> tried to reach for perfection more but it's okay to to not. Well, to this not is be
0: there. this is one of these things where I think the artist is coming out because I've I've definitely I- experienced um, you know the artist perfection right. You want you, you actually can hear the little things that you would have liked to have done better. Or they're not perfect, but you know for for someone like me who just I mean I w- was so you know just overtaken by the sheer power of the experience of hearing it. Like, I wouldn't have a trained ear to know if there was any imperfection at all, but what struck me was just the beauty of it, you know. And so, um, and, I, and I completely understand, because I think for Muslim converts, gen, you know, in general, like the idea that you're late to the party and that, you know, you, everybody else kind of knows what's going on and you're just trying to make your way. That's like so, um, you know, I, I think, it's typical of that experience and it affects kind of everything about how how you operate but I think that um, you know like this music just you know when we talk about it being a vehicle for you know reaching the divine and feeling something else like that just you know it doesn't matter about the little imperfections it's that emotion it's that it's what it elicits in people so it's just beautiful Um, so you you and I actually went um, this weekend to watch a um, classical music concert. And you asked the, we had an opportunity to do a Q&A with the um, the artist who was playing violin. And you asked him a question, which I'm going to now ask you. (laughs) (laughs) So you said that your grandmother always said, you know, you come from a family of musicians, um, and that your grandmother always said that there's a point when a person or a child, you know, engages with music and that music starts to speak to them whether it's through a story or through, you know, something. So I'm just wondering if you can tell us about when that moment was if you remember it when the music started speaking to you and also just share about your background. Um, so people know, you know, like Witsky the musician.
2: Of course not. Yeah, so I have the immense privilege to I've grown up in a family where um I got the the chance to engage with music as a kid. So, my mom is a flutist, my dad is a jazz musician who plays several instruments and um from from a really young age they they let me know that I was going to get the chance to to choose which instrument I want to play. <laughs> and um I knew, I knew all along I wanted to play the violin. There was a little bit of a moment of doubt, <laughs> but that was <laughs> overcome, and I, I, I chose the violin. And I started my lessons, I, I don't remember whether I was four or five, but four or five, uh, so really young. And, um, I mean, at first, I think, <laughs> I'm really grateful that my parents uh, had the patience to sit with me and Uh, sit me down let me do my practice rounds because let's be honest a starting violinist doesn't sound good (laughs) especially not a four to five year old starting violinist so (laughs) that was by the mercy of my parents and my neighbors (laughs) um but yeah so first you have you have this phase of just um you know struggling with the notes trying to learn this script and figuring out what it means and i had stickers on my violin that indicated where my where my fingers needed to be and then i learned okay so the red sticker that is this note on the on the sheet music mm-hmm. right um, and slowly slowly you start to get through that phase where it feels more natural so you start to intuitively putting your finger down as soon as you see the note so you 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 get to a phase where you're more comfortable with the notes and you get to a space where you can think more about okay so what does it mean and what does it do to me what does it do to the audience what 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 did the composer mean by this and i remember um there was one really important moment for me which was i was practicing my dad was sitting with me and he was playing along on the piano and it was this violin concerto and of course i'm not <laughs> i'm not actually very knowledgeable when it comes to classical music so i don't remember uh, whose concerto it is. I just remember the line because I struggled to play this line on the violin because I didn't see it as a sentence. I couldn't remember it. It just loose notes to me. And my dad thought it would be helpful for me to understand or feel the music more, to put it to words. <laughs> so he turned the violin concerto into a really silly poem. And the poem was, I play the violin and I love that very much and i I play the violin and i like it (laughs) Uh, i like chocolate paste (laughs) lots of it (laughs) right so it was just i mean it was a silly story but that that for the first time turned these Mm -hmm. meaningless notes into a story and that's i think the first concert i actually was able to play as as a and, I mean, I think it took a bit longer until one of my performances where my dad came to me after the performance of my parents, I'm not sure, and they said, I think that you, you played with feeling for the first time. Mm. And, uh, in, in Dutch we say, like, uh, met gevoel, with feeling, you played it with feeling. And I think that's not an expression, I think that's just what my family says. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, that made it clear to me that music is about storytelling. It's about so much more than just the notes, and um, yeah. So so that's my relation to that that question <laughs> and why I
0: asked it. That's beautiful. So let's go back to the idea of the story and the event. Like, can you share with us sort of the story of the event? So. I mean, that's a a story
2: that may be beyond words for a little bit, (laughs) Um, but to me, that's the story of I think forgetting and remembering or losing and finding, right? So, so many times during the day you lose sight of what truly matters and you lose sight of the, the truth of existence, as as it is to me. And the call to prayer for me is the story literally calling from that place of truth mm. to remember again, mm. to come to prayer, to com- come to that place of success, of overcoming all of that that seemed so important. Yeah. <laughs> right um, so to me it it's like a cry it's a cry i always love this metaphor of the cry of the reed flute right so there it's it's like deeply embedded within the islamic tradition this idea of the reed that was cut off and turned into a flute but then when you hear the reed you hear the song of the reed flute it's still you still hear the longing the longing for the place it was once cut from and I think that is the story of the Adam to me, mm-hmm. that longing for remembrance, longing for that primordial place we all stem from.
0: Mm-hmm. That's yeah, beautiful. that's the story of the Adam. <laughs> I love it. Um, so coming back to to then your personal journey, and because I know at one point you were thinking of making music your career. So, can you tell us about that?
2: Yeah, so during my last year of high school, I was convinced. (laughs) (laughs) I was convinced I was gonna um, go to the conservatory, study music, and, um, I mean, I spent a good half of my week, (laughs) not at the high school, but instead, uh, a one and a half hour train ride away (laughs) Mm. at this conservatory I was attending and um, I was doing like this preparatory program and even though I do not regret doing that preparatory program for one bit I, I had an amazing teacher and she taught me so much um, I think the most important thing that it taught me was that being a musician is not just about the music and um, I think I was faced with the reality of what the profession of a musician is in this modern world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I mean, I think just if you if you look back to the time where if you wanted to have music in a space, you would need a musician there, right? What it means to be a musician in that time is completely different yeah. from what it means to be a musician in this time, when there's music everywhere. Mm-hmm. There's an access of music. Um I mean, it's it's not that once you are skilled at playing the violin you know that you will be able to perform at your local theatre or at these cafes or restaurants because they need background music. No, they they have background music. <laughs> so it's a completely different business and it's very much a business. Right. And I knew very well that I'm not a good businesswoman. <laughs> um Whenever me and my brother played games where you needed to make a profit, like these restaurants games, I always I went bankrupt in <laughs> <laughs> the time. It's not, it's not right. something I'm actually good at. Yeah. And I discovered in music school that that's actually <laughs> a really lot important. of what being a musician is about, and especially a singer and especially a female singer. Mm. So there's this whole different part to what it actually means to studying yourself, to engaging with an audience um that just really made me dislike music (laughs) and brought me to this point especially since i was also doing songwriting and i remember one one time we had to write this song specifically like james bond kind of song and it was fun we had lots of fun with it but i also remember just feeling so drained afterwards Because I was like, I don't want to write James Bond songs, <laughs> I really don't. <laughs> Maybe as a joke, but just imagine that actually being... your yeah, And mm. I, I know it, it can be really fun, but to me, it, it didn't connect with what music actually means to me. Mm. Um, so I remember telling my mom, I wish that there was nothing else that I wanted. I wish that this was it, because th- I think that's the only way in which you can actually do it in this day and age if you know that's it and there's no other thing for me but for me there were lots of other things right so i was interested in so many things and i loved to read and even though i i wasn't at high school a lot (laughs) i did pretty well (laughs) so i knew i could just go to the university as well so um yeah i tried to combine that for a little bit and then um and then i decided that Actually, for me to keep my my real connection with what music means to me, I need to cut the the whole professional business mm. aspect of it right um, because I noticed, for example, that when I got certain assignments or when I was writing for certain occasions during the writing process, I was thinking like it was like this person was in my head with me mm. right, which is very normal if you're writing for someone right but I don't want anyone in my head <laughs> with me when I'm writing because it ruins it. Yeah. <laughs> and this is also part of the reason why I struggle to share for a bit mm-hmm. because I'm just afraid as soon as I um, will write to share and I know that I'm writing to share, that the anticipation of the reaction will right. be present
0: in the moment of writing. Right. And that's not what I want. Yeah. So, um, so when you left the conservatory and you realized that, okay, that obviously is not the path for you. Um, maybe, you know, tell us about kind of where you are now because you're now on your, you know, you're on your path to a doctorate in law, which is very interesting, and um, you're working with, uh, you know, Dr. Apple Fuddle, who is the founder of our institute. Um, But so I want to understand, like then, to answer your question again, like, what does music mean to you? Where does it fit into kind of where the whole picture of where you are now? Yeah, I think in my um,
2: letter of motivation for, for the law school, I wrote that I'm probably one of the only people whose family is maybe disappointed that they decided to study law and not music. <laughs> <laughs> and that I, in the end, I, at first I, I really didn't like law. I, I, I have a good friend um, from primary school and she always knew she wanted to study law. And I always made fun of her because that's the most boring thing one could <laughs> ever decide to do. Like, that's how? How how can you actually, as a kid, want to study law? What's wrong with you, right? <laughs> um, but then I found out that actually law is, law is like music.
3: Hmm.
2: Law is so creative. And it's an art. To me it is. And I mean... Of course there, there are many jobs that you can have as a lawyer where you're not an artist. <laughs> <laughs> but the whole balance of justice and finding ways to apply the colours that are out there, the the rules that are out there to the specific situations and making it fit well and finding creative ways to to bring justice into the this the sphere of reality mm-hmm. that's a creative process. Yeah. Um And the other way around, certain aspects of music are highly intellectual, right? So the whole... I mean, many musicians I know are actually more beta scientists (laughs) or mathematicians because there are really mathematical aspects to music. Mm -hmm. So I think the divide that I so naively drew (laughs) um, faded a bit more. Mm -hmm. That made me actually see myself as a potential lawyer. but really what drew me to law was more of a practical experience of what it can mean practically in this world. So I think I became a bit of se- obsessed with the idea of justice. And um, that made me pursue both religious studies and law. Um, and in the end pursue both a master's degree specializing in spiritual care chaplaincy. Which for me is justice in the interpersonal sphere, mm-hmm. and human rights law, international law, which for me is justice in the societal sphere. Right. Beautiful. Um, yeah. So it's not it's not so, it's
0: not so far away. So what? <laughs> I didn't change that much. <laughs> so you you signed up, you got accepted into UCLA Law, and then what happened with your music?
2: Um. Yeah, so I think, I mean, I'm really grateful that after that, after that decision not to do music, I didn't, I didn't write a lot, honestly. I, I needed a break. (laughs) So I I had a bit of a break and I, I joined a choir and that was wonderful. And we, we sang together and I still, I was active in terms of music, but more other people's works. And I think slowly this idea of songwriting as a form of expression started to come back. Um, Because the first song I actually shared was um, a song I shared when my my grandfather passed um, When I was in high school That was actually what made me want to share my first song because I wrote a song about it and I wanted to share it with him before he passed And I got to share it with him before he passed Um, So right from that start and even before that I remember the first song I wrote as a kid it was this environmental protest song which i wrote (laughs) because my mom was doing gardening (laughs) i was like the grass doesn't like that mom (laughs) Uh, so it's always been a vehicle of expression for me Mm -hmm. and that shifted a bit when we were in the james bond music writing (laughs) phase but then suddenly it got back and i think now um my music is like my diary almost. Mm-hmm. So it's which also makes it very personal sometimes because it's my way to process whatever happens and sometimes I'm not even sure. I mean it's like a diary where sometimes you write something and I don't know if you've ever read things back from like years ago where all of a sudden maybe you you realize, "Oh, I I I knew that I, that wasn't the right situation to be in." Mm-hmm. Or, "Oh, I actually this is giving me insights I didn't even know I had." Yeah. I have that with my music as well. Oh wow. Um, So for me now, music is very much a vehicle of expression, but more so than that, it is a vehicle of worship. It's a way of worship for me. And I think that's also why I love to start the the album with the other end, Mm. because it's it's a call to that place of prayer. And I feel like oftentimes I write music from a place of prayer, Mm. especially some of the songs on the album.
0: I would love to know a little bit about your process. And I'd also like to know, because you, you went from playing violin to, you know, I, I, I saw you played guitar and you sang. Like, you know, your, um, your voice and your, you know, the, the command is, is amazing. Like how did you transition or, or like, where did the role of your vocal ability like come into that, you know, journey of like playing instruments? And, or, you know, how, how did you develop that as well?
2: Yeah, um, do you want
0: me to go with the process one or do you want me to go with the the song, the singing one? Um, let's start, I guess, with the singing and then let's get into the process sure. because then we can also get into the songs. Sure. Right. So, um,
2: yeah, I started with the violin and I remember this one time in violin class that Well already in violin class I've never been a good music reader (laughs) so my engagement with music has always been very much um, auditive. So that, that means that when I had a new concert to study or something or a piece to study I would go to YouTube, Mm -hmm. (laughs) listen to it, and then play it. And then my teacher would be like, but that's a bit different in the sheet music. But I was like, yeah, but (laughs) it's YouTube. (laughs) Um, So in that way, um, since that was my engagement with music, that always also linked to more of a vocal expression, because then if my teacher would ask me, oh, um, I don't know, I I don't know like, even what it was. I think my teacher maybe asked me to sing uh, the piece or something, like to check whether I knew it. But I just remember that in my violin lesson, I had to sing the piece. Mm-hmm. And then my teacher said something like, have you ever thought of like doing singing or singing lessons? And I always really enjoyed singing. I, I don't remember ever not liking singing. I remember this, this moment when I was young, and we needed to sing in front of the class and everyone was laughing at me and that made me feel bad be- mm. and they were laughing because I was so expressive <laughs> <laughs> and I mean looking back at it it's funny now right because it's the things that make you special. oftentimes yeah. the things that yeah, that make stand you stand out, out that mm. will that people will decide to choose as the ways to drag you down um, Yeah, so I actually, I I took singing lessons, so once again, privilege, uh, the blessing of my parents. Um, My mom works at our local music school, Mm -hmm. so that access to music education was very easy for me. So I did one year of classical singing lessons, uh, actually like opera singing, but I was a kid, so it wasn't wasn't great. And then I moved on to, um, yeah, other types of singing lessons, which I did until the year of the conservatory.
0: So I think, like, the idea that how, you know, music for you um, is a form of prayer is so beautiful and so powerful. Um, I'm wondering if you can just share about, like, the whole idea of prayer, and maybe we can talk a little bit about the role of religion, because you studied it, but then also there's that personal connection and engagement, you know, with God, and and then how that all kind of comes together like maybe you can just share some of that if you're if you don't mind yeah of course um yeah so another
2: huge blessing is um i got to first i got to spend my first ramadan in fez morocco and that first ramadan was in in many ways such a formative experience that shaped me in many, many ways beyond what I thought it would be. <laughs> I thought it would be a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to experience this <laughs> Ramadan thing. <laughs> well, okay, look where we are now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but actually one of the, my favorite parts of the first Ramadan was the fact that every Friday we got together, um, or there was a group that got together, and me and a friend of mine, we joined them. And they would do chanting together, like Arabic religious chants. And I just remember feeling like I, I... it gave me an opportunity to lose myself in the moment for a bit. And were you Muslim at that time? See, that's a difficult question. So, <laughs> <laughs> I know, so about I'm just going to defer that one. <laughs> Allahu A'alam. <laughs> I mean, so that's a process. <laughs> Um, yeah so I remember that being really formative and that becoming such a part of what Ramadan meant to me and that was that was a beautiful experience for me just like the poetry I read during that month is still like poetry reading still feels to me like a part of Ramadan even though it's maybe not (laughs) for everyone it's not like that but for me because it was a part of my first Ramadan and it it contributed so much to that experience and to that foundation that was laid during that first Ramadan
0: for people who don't know what Ramadan is could you just give a brief
2: yeah of course so Ramadan is our month of fasting Uh, I would say generally spoken of as a month of fasting where we do not eat and drink um, from uh, sunrise to sundown till sunset Um, but very early, during my first Ramadan, someone said to me, which is another foundational experience, forming experience, right? Well, I mean, it, it really makes no sense to, to eat and drink, uh, to, to not eat and drink if, you're, if it's gonna make you worse in character. Mm. <laughs> so for me, it was very strongly tied to this idea of also being on your best behavior, it being a spiritual training in all sense so not eating not drinking but that is more of the symbolic part mm-hmm. <laughs> and the other parts may be the harder work actually um, so almost like a, a month of purification um, and I got to spend my first in rock. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, these that chanting was so important to me uh, because it was a, a spiritual experience. Mm-hmm. And I just remember having, experiencing a, a Ramadan in the Netherlands after that and there being no chanting, there being no poetry. There just being lots of paper and plastic plates <laughs> <laughs> and chicken. <laughs> and it just being so very different but also being I mean so I was confused I was confused about that and another thing I was confused about was the fact that when I came back actually no one in Morocco my my friends in Morocco encouraged me to sing right and we we were learning songs in Arabic Mm. and we were having fun with it Um, but yeah I came back to the Netherlands and then all of a sudden this was a a point
0: for discussion right Um, you weren't supposed to sing anymore or it's not okay like like that was something that was at odds
2: with being a muslim right which created this tension for me because i felt like i to be quite honest with you i never i never honestly had a feeling that god wanted me not to create music Mm -hmm. but it was never an issue between me and god right um but it was very much this idea of okay, if I, if I am gonna be the perfect Muslim, <laughs> <laughs> then I can't do that because the community doesn't like it, mm. um, or it's not, it's not, in, yeah, I even, I'm not even sure how to express it. But I felt yeah. like I, it wasn't something I. There are I enough could do.
0: voices in the Muslim community to make you feel like there's something wrong with me. And sometimes and very explicit voices, right? Yeah.
2: So I've. <clears throat> I remember this one message that by now has become very symbolic to me, just this message I got that every song you will put out there, um, you know, in the Islamic tradition there are these ideas that certain things can outlive you and can create a positive legacy. For example, if you write a beautiful book that will help others after your death, then still everyone who reads that after your death, that will still
3: be be a blessing for for you you, right? right? Mm -hmm. even
2: long after you're gone if you dig a well and people are still get water from that well or if you create a a positive legacy that will outlive you that will still serve you after you're gone and I got uh, sort of the opposite of that argument in the sense that uh, I was told any songs that are out there Mm. either music that you put into the world or um, music that you helped spread that will be a continuous legacy of sin for you, Mm -hmm. right? So every time someone will listen to that, that will be something negative upon you until long after you're gone, all Mm -hmm. of this will have gathered and that will be the cause of your descent into hellfire. Right, right. And I remember first reading that message and feeling very bad about it. Just, I I felt of course attacked. I felt unsure because I wasn't very steady in my foundations, right? My roots weren't strong. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um... But honestly, now I look back at it, and I think I mean, if on the day of judgment, the thing I'm gonna be confronted with, the thing I'm gonna be held accountable for is Hasbunallah, <laughs> Allah, okay, I would sign for that. <laughs> you know, I have other things to worry about that frighten me,, <laughs> you know the people you may have hurt, um the things you did wrong, the bad communication the things that come up in the songs about social justice that I'm a part of just because I'm a part of the system, right? That I condone the things I don't do that I should do. But the one thing I've never been worried about <laughs> is Shahada song <laughs> or Shahada Hasbun song. Allah. Right, you know, those right. can testify against me because I know my <laughs> intentions, right? right?
3: Right.
2: So I guess all of that that tension I felt was mostly due to the fact that I didn't have the time yet to form those roots and to really stand for what I believe. Because, to be honest, it never made me shake my belief. The arguments have never been convincing. Mm -hmm. And it's not that I'm not willing to change my opinion. I mean, I change my life in many ways. And I hope to be able to continue to change as soon as the convincing argument reaches me, right? But I've just no convincing argument has
0: reached me. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and for someone um, who hears your music and feels the impact of it, um, you know, and when I said it's, like, for me, it, was, it became a religious duty that, you know, to really honestly fight against these ideas that, Muslim, you know, Muslims, are you're not supposed to do music or anything like that. When you hear something that's just so beautiful and you know that it touches your heart and your soul, and this is something that you know, it's just divine in every way. How could that be not allowed, you know? And so I really felt so strongly about this. And maybe this is a perfect time to play one of these songs. Um, so you mentioned, you know, that you, you know, if, if you're held accountable on the final day for husband Allah, that's the name of one of the songs that you did. What does husband Allah mean, first of all? Um, hasbun Allah means
2: Allah is sufficient for me. Okay, so let's maybe we places. should
0: stop and play play that so people know what it is. So Matt, could you play "Husnallah"? H A S.
1: Will we ever cure the aching of hearts that beat for blood alone? How can we prevent the brain? Of hearts that turn to solid stone oh, We fight and let the heartbreak take us over We divide and strip our souls down to the bone As the night of separation takes us over Let a light remind us of one. Hasbun Allah Hasbun Allah Hasbun Allah Wa ni'mbal in You all broken pieces heal Because your peace alone is real Can we forget our blessing? Ooh. If they're the sight by which we see, Ooh. oh, you have even blessed our tests. You have shared with us the key in the sight of what is ugly and the guide and see the plea to turn around in the face of disbelief to keep believing and then losing see what truly you have found I you because your peace
0: alone is real So tell us about Hasbun It's amazing song. So Haspanallah
2: Allah was the first song I wrote on this beautiful guitar <laughs> <laughs> which was a gift um, from you, from um, from usudi,
0: um, Part of the religious duty. Part of the religious duty. <laughs> <story. laughs> I was like, i got to get this one on a guitar. Because um, you had just traveled from the Netherlands and you couldn't bring your guitar. And so you didn't have a guitar. And I thought, OK, you know, when music is a part of you and your expression and, and how you process, how can you do that if you don't have a guitar? So I couldn't have done it. So I'm, thank God. I'm yeah. very grateful for that. Um,
2: Hasbunallah. Hasbun Allah was written at night. I think you can hear that. <laughs> um, i honestly i don't i don't feel the need to, i feel like hasbunallah speaks for itself in many ways so i don't feel the need to explain anything about the song maybe just i mean this idea of hasbunallah it's it's just this beautiful phrase mm-hmm. it's a phrase that i think gives so many of us so much comfort right so it's a phrase from the quran um that means something to you, uh, there's always meaning lost in translation and I'm definitely not a good translator mm-hmm. but it means something like um, God is sufficient for me or God is sufficient for us and one and he is the best of disposers of affairs of affairs and there's a much more rich meaning than that, right? Um, but I think The way in which this phrase comes up is in situations of great hardship Mm -hmm. where maybe those situations where you realize that no matter how much the world gives you it will never be sufficient or maybe in those moments where you're stripped of everything right so there's this narration that tells that the prophet uh, abraham when he was in the fire he literally had nothing, right? right? His body was about to be burned. He said, "Hasbunallah, al madawki." Or when there was about to be this huge attack, or at least there were rumors of this huge attack that would uh, end right. the Muslim community, right? Hasbunallah wana'ir madawki. So I feel like it's an attitude towards life, mm-hmm. where. A lot of Hasbun Allah is, I think about, you know, sometimes you reflect upon what we're actually doing in this world, and it makes you very sad. So it's about the state of our hearts, which is not me saying their hearts, it's very much. <laughs> <laughs> and just reflecting on how on earth do we keep forgetting those blessings, right? There's so many of yeah. them. And how do we keep forgetting? But even in that great despair of sometimes thinking, well, God, <laughs> we're messing up <laughs> majorly. To think, okay, but even that, even in that, maybe even especially in that, hasbunallah. Mm. You know, when once again that great sense of disappointment comes, whether it's, you know, thinking, oh, I finally found this person that I can, that I can really trust and that, that will be enough for me. <laughs> yeah. And then actually the blessing is that you found out that that person is never going to be enough for you. Because in the end it's only Hasbunallah. So that's what the song is about for me. And it's almost, it, it, it's very similar to the Adhan in the way that it feels like a cry, mm. right? So it's, it's like a very fragile cry in the darkness. This re- remembrance of that truth of Hasbunallah when they are al It's so beautiful.
0: Um, Let's also play the shahada because you mentioned that um, as well. See So Shahada, we you know we recorded it in the studio, and I think that it was the first song that I actually saw how much work you put into creating the song and all of the harmonies and the layering, and it was just so beautiful. Um, first, can you just tell us about about Shahada, and and you know this is probably a good song to even talk about some of the process, but you know this is and, and what it means. Let's just start with what what Shahada means for people who don't know.
2: Yeah, so traditionally the shahada is um, the testimony of faith that one says to to become a Muslim, um, which is very simple. It simply is professing the fact that there is no God but God, so that God is one. And that the Prophet Muhammad was one of his messengers, right, was his messenger. Um, and I think I never really had a problem with that statement. I don't remember ever having a problem with that statement, right? And this is why I, I sometimes feel like it's so silly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, everyone has their own process, and I don't. When I say it's silly, I say that very much from my personal perspective, which doesn't mean that I think someone else's experience is silly at all, right? It can make a lot of sense for someone else's process to, for example, have a moment where there's a moment in time that specific day, I go to the masjid, I go to the mosque and I, from that moment, I'm a Muslim. But it, it feels silly for me in my experience. Because for me, Shahada is a process and it ties into this idea of remembrance, right? So for me, Shahada is a reminder. And it's maybe the moment I profess it with my tongue but maybe a minute after, I don't live up to it. Because if I truly believe that God is one and The prophet Muhammad was messenger why don't I act like it Mm. and I don't mean like why don't I dress like an Arab (laughs) (laughs) right (laughs) I mean why don't I act upon the justice that they taught me and why don't I have the same level of mercy that he showed our prophet or you know why do I get so invested in Something that is other than God <laughs> um, So for me Shahada is about all of that about embodying it um, But that doesn't mean that I don't think the phrase is beautiful I wrote a song about it because <laughs> <laughs> I think it's so beautiful, right? right, but it's a reminder for me more than One set moment in time and after you're done you're in and you're good and your sins are forgiven and welcome to the club <laughs> <laughs> Right. That, that feels.
0: Which is what a lot of people hear Which is feel. fine, which yeah. is
2: fine, but doesn't sit right with me, right? um so as a part of that process i said my shahada after i had said many shahadas in prayer right Mm -hmm. but for me that one moment of actually saying my shahada saying the testimony of faith was more of a decision that this was the way i was choosing for the rest of my life god willing (laughs) right um so it was this clear decision okay you know what this is this is the way for me this is the way and I want to keep going on that way and I know it's going to be rough sometimes but this is my commitment so my Shahada was more about commitment Mm -hmm. Um, and when I said my Shahada it was a regular evening Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, the Sun just set I had a beautiful experience and Um, and I felt I was ready to say that, and when I was actually saying my Shahada, I also felt like this melody joined it, joined in, (laughs) in the moment. And, um, so it's a very special melody to me, because it's busy in my head and there's, there's lots of music, (laughs) but this one was a special one, right? Um, and I, I mean it took much longer, it, it took a long time, I think years before I wrote it into a song. Mm-hmm. So I added the verses that are for me very much about what the heart of Shahada is to me. Um, and it's, this song is thicker. so this idea of remembrance, it's very much f- for me a, the heart of the Islamic
0: tradition what is thicker for people who don't know yeah so thicker
2: literally means remembrance the act of remembrance um, remembering um so oftentimes re- this act is performed through literally saying the name of god the idea if it's on your lips if it's on your tongue it's on your mind it's in your heart right um that's a very literal definition of what dhikr is. that's beautiful um i think in many ways you can show that you're actively remembering uh this essence or this truth um so actually i use literal dick (laughs) a lot in my songs in the the harmonies so it's this is one of those i mean silly little little things right but i just for me a lot of my meaning goes into harmonies so we can talk about that for example when it comes to the 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 song about the the 99 names of god because that's all about the harmonies Mm. but even in shahada just the 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 conscious choice to have all the harmonies on either allah or who hu or who gives this sense of when the harmonies come in it's like this sense of divine presence yeah because oftentimes that what's that's what the harmonies connote to me right as soon as the harmonies come in it's it's this feeling you sometimes get when we're lucky <laughs> to sometimes get yeah. right um or does, you you a part does... of the bigger whole or does who hu and who I mean. Um, yeah, so it's it's re- references to God. So, for example, when we say God is the greatest, we say Allahu Akbar, or uh, Huwa, which refers to just He. So it's He. Um, sometimes shortened to Who. Sometimes with the idea of not wanting to specifically express the masculine. Um, the masculine is just the grammatical way to refer to God, because God in the Islamic tradition uh, is beyond gender uh, beyond any type of duality we could link to god Um, but of course our language is very much compartmentalized so we need to figure out a way to talk about it right um so these are all words that refer to god and that are used in in dhikr like meditative practices where the the names of god are repeated
0: um okay so you know, Shahada is, is one of these songs that's been so powerful for all of us who have heard it. And I know um, Dr. Abul Fadal shared with me that when he heard the Shahada song, he just always gets the feeling that all of creation is bearing down and witnessing. And I know he was asking if... One question was if that's how you feel or when you... Or how you felt when you wrote that song. I mean, like it is. <laughs> yeah. Right?
2: So that, that, thanks for mentioning that (laughs) because no but that's we make shahada so small right the mountains are making shahada all the time like the trees are in constant state of frustration and we still make islam so small (laughs) you know so yes that's what it's about it's yes (laughs) no absolutely just this idea that when you're saying shahada, you're not the exception. <laughs> you're not the exceptional convert who's saying shahada yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and struggling with the Arabic and feeling unnatural about it. Mm-hmm. You're actually at that moment finally returning to the harmony of nature, mm-hmm.
0: right? Yeah. Um, of creation. Yeah. Absolutely. <clears throat> So tell us about the 99 Names of God.
2: Yeah, so um, this is a choral piece, uh, a a song I wrote after engaging in this wonderful, wonderful journey that was um, a 99 day reflection on the 99 Names of uh, God. So there many more than 99 names that are used that we as people use to refer to the divine right in the Islamic tradition there are many more than 99 but 99 is a beautiful symbolic number (laughs) indicating that there's much more beyond it right but it's also just it's a beautiful list of different names that are used either in the Quran or in the Islamic tradition um, to refer to God which just shows you all of these different aspects of what our relationship as human beings with God can be like. So, at the end of this 99 day experience, where yeah, I had to write a little reflection every day, and I, I recommend this to anyone if you're looking for just a little retreat you can do with yourself, <laughs> low cost, you own need a notebook, <laughs> it's wonderful. Um, so, after these daily reflections, I felt like I I felt really intimate with some of the names and I mean all of the names are beautiful but of course depending on which state of your life you're in what you're going through you'll have more of a relationship with either or the other and that's the beauty of it right so do you want to give some examples of some of the names like yes of course so um I mean there are the, the first names that are mentioned are emphasizing God's mercy so the relationship of mercy and compassion Ar-Rahman, Ar-Rahim which are names we use a lot, names you used at the beginning of this video right? so um, names that indicate that God is the most merciful of creatures in his relationship with us and the most compassionate and that we connect with God when we act in mercy and compassion there is this idea of God as the light um God is the most patient, right? So when we act in a way that we radiate light, that we bring light to situations of darkness, or when we act patiently, that's our way of connecting with God. That's the way, right? Or when we act generously, <laughs> that's the name of God. Or when we act kindly, that's the name of God. Or when we act justly, right? And that can mean being firm sometimes. So there's all of these ways in which we as human beings can connect with God and act in a way of worship, and for me, many of those, this piece is, it was a crazy piece to write, (laughs) and I I honestly don't know how I wrote it. I honestly don't, Um, and I just um, there there are a lot of a lot. I, I don't usually really talk about these because they're very personal reflections and I hate them in music because most people don't get it. <laughs> um, but for example, one of the names uh, is Al-Fatah, the opener of the or the bringer of relief openings, right? And that is actually the first harmony in the piece that is clearly dissonant. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't sit quite right. It feels uncomfortable. Um, and that's that's a very conscious choice, right? Because oftentimes it's those situation of discomfort, pain, mm. that brings the openings. Mm-hmm. Right? With hardship comes ease. Right. Um, or the last one, as the patient, the most patients, um, patient. That's the longest name of the piece. I mean, I think it's genius. Whoever compiled the 99 names, I don't know, <laughs> to end with a sabur, <laughs> Genius, right? Because the by the, the time you get to 99, you know, it's like, aha. Oh, oh. yeah, you're right. <laughs> or if, you ever, if you try to memorize them by the time you get to that one, you know, right. whew, you've been patient. <laughs> uh, so it's also the last name of the piece, and it's the longest one. And the entire piece um, hinges towards minor. It's mostly minor. Um, but it ends in major. Mm-hmm. And it actually only ends on the last note of a saboor So there's the whole line. And, I mean, of course, that's a reflection. That's a musical reflection, right? That's beautiful. Um, so there, the, there are many reflections in the piece. And I'm not going to share them all, but they're there. And <laughs> you know, it's just nice to listen to it and see what, it, what kind
0: of a relationship you right. get with it. Right. So let me also ask you about the name Wadud. Because that features in a couple of the songs on the album at least that i am aware of so maybe we could start here and then we'll pick it up again when we get to the next song on that
2: yeah so al-wadood for me is the name that refers to this idea of divine love so god is the beloved um god as this source of love and the relationship that we can have with al-wadood for me is love um, which, I mean, love is a big word, right? <laughs> it can it mean means? many different things. That's an impossible question okay. <laughs> for me to answer. Um, but I actually, I just finished reading this beautiful book by Bell Hooks, um, which is called, I think, All About Love. No? Yes. Yes? Called okay, that, yeah. amazing. I saw you reading it. <laughs> <laughs> and she referred to someone else's definition, whom I forgot, but I thought it was beautiful, she actually referred to love as the idea of creating space or doing what you can to help the other person come closer to the divine mm-hmm. or grow spiritually leaving open whether leaving it a bit more open but to help the other person grow right and I feel like in many ways this whole world is God's, God's helping us grow yes. <laughs> right so this whole idea of this world as this womb and we're just growing I, I really like that um, that image. Yeah. Um, so Al Wadud for me is a beautiful, beautiful name, because to me it opens up the doors of God for to when people say God is love, I can accept that as truth because of Al Wadud, right? Just like when people say God is justice, I can accept that as that as truth because al Adil because right, we have all of these names and mm. I, th- I think you know then there is of course a tendency Oh, but we only limit it to the arabic <laughs> and that's silly <laughs> but it it actually opens up the doors to talk about god is so much bigger than and i love the name allah right i love the name allah but i don't love what we're doing with the name allah because we make it seem like it's something other than god and when I say we, I don't even know who I mean. Yeah. So don't ask me about that. But I feel like... And I also mean me, because I sometimes do it as well. Yeah. Um, well, so but yeah. you,
0: but you touched on that, because I think it's a really important distinction, because I know we've all had experiences. You very recently had an experience where in a church where someone said, we don't say Allah, mm-hmm. we don't do Allah. And it makes you feel like, well, do you have a problem with the Arabic language? Because it just means God, right? But people... Um, who don't, um, you know, they want people to think that, oh, Muslims believe in a God called Allah as if it's different than the real, the one and only God. So, um, I don't know if you wanted to talk a little bit about that, but just, it's an important, you know, clarification for people who don't know. It's
2: true. Yeah. I think it's something I encounter a lot. Um, for me, it's very simple. Nah. (laughs) 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 I mean, in the Quran, it says like, tell them, um our God and your God are one done. No need for further discussion, right? right? There are things that are actually interesting to discuss. this is not okay. <laughs> it, it would it, it undermines my entire faith if Allah would be some sort of different God, right because right. that's we're saying say God, say there is no God but God, right So then how could there be <laughs> there's just God right that's like the, the fundamental <laughs> right. Um, so, no, I, I I actually, I, I, that's one of the conversations that pops up a lot, and that I, it's one of those simple conversations that I deeply struggle with, (laughs) because of the, because of this, because I, it's just, it's a fundamental essential for me that God is one, and God must be greater than all of these religions, and we, I mean, that ties into many of the
0: songs, so I'm sure we'll get back to that. <laughs> okay. So I want to move... You you said in passing um, hardship with ease, and this is one of these Quranic um, verses that is very important for our tradition. Maybe you can talk about that because you have a song called hardship, and then we can also play that song so people know.
2: Yeah, so um, to me, this is such a beautiful phrase so it's a quranic phrase it's from the quran um, from this beautiful chapter Um, and i think there are so many i've heard so many wonderful reflections on the phrase because it it means it can mean so many things to so many different ears (laughs) Um, and i really like this idea of The fact that it's with hardship comes ease, and not after hardship comes ease, Mm -hmm. right? After rain comes sunshine. No, there's a blessing in the rain, right? Right. Um, It always makes me think of this beautiful metaphor of the cracks being where the light enters Mm in, right? Right. Um, So the lyrics of the song, Um, it it refers to this idea of with hardship comes ease it also refers to this idea of the well within the story of the Prophet Joseph and the whole song is kind of it it sounds like it's thanks to our amazing sound engineer (laughs) it sounds like it's sung from a well right you you hear the echo of the well Mm -hmm. and I honestly feel like that's a song that's like written from down in the well yeah. but then the lyrics are down in the well is where the water springs yeah. right so that's where the blessing of the water comes from and down in my pain is where the change begins it's so, so, beautiful. so beautiful. down in that moment of hurt there's the lesson <clears throat> and I I remember hearing about people who can't feel pain mm. um, which sounds ideal <laughs> right but then they get into all sorts of injuries because they don't, they don't feel that their harm is being done to them,
3: mm.
2: right? So pain in so many ways redirects us and helps us to make the changes that are necessary because we now see what is harming us. Yeah. Um, so with hardship comes ease. <laughs> Beautiful.
1: I sit in silence Too tired to yell at the bottom of my dear old well. What a rat! My tears in the heart of misery, the broken heart it sees. Truly, with hardship comes ease. Oh, light that belongs to the east, north. the darkest night the lost you have blessed for down
0: the hardship song um, I want to talk about the cup of tea song which is great um, and has a lot of meaning for us but anyway it's it's a nice shift so maybe you can tell us about that
2: yeah so I very intentionally put that song in terms of order after the hardship song right because sometimes you just need a cup of tea (laughs) so I feel like after that song you need a cup of tea and I really like this song this song I, I really love it and I love it partly because it's so simple
3: Yeah.
2: Um, and I feel like this is this may be the song that has the most layers mm. not in terms of it's very it's very simple and straightforward right but it also has so many layers to me personally so I mean on the most superficial layer I don't mean superficial to say like like it's not true or in a degrading way because It's just, it's what's at the surface, you see it Mm. clearly, right? It doesn't make it less true. But at this most superficial layer, it's about tea. And it really is! (laughs) Right? So, um, I was only recently introduced to Yorkshire tea (laughs) by our friend Joe. And that tea is is amazing! (laughs) So, it's literally, the song is about tea, right? (laughs) But it would also be absolutely silly to say that it's only about tea. Um, Even though the song is called Cup of Tea, right? Um, So, it's about so much more. It's about, you know, it's like a societal critique, in a way, about how fast we're running and... all of these things we deem to be important and we just need to take a break sometimes, right? So that's almost like a capitalist critique. (laughs) Then there's a layer where it's a love song, and then I think, for me, the deepest layer, which doesn't mean it's the most real layer, but it's just the deepest layer. It's also about dhikr, it's about remembrance, right? So, at the deepest layer, this song for me is like the other. busy, 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 the world is happening, you're in a hamster wheel and then there's this call and then in that layer that's god's call for me if we read it from this layer right so it's god saying come and sit with me (laughs) have a cup of tea and then maybe cup of tea in that sense more of an experience right this idea of tasting is very much an islamic spiritual thing right so This idea of really experiencing, I mean, what we talked about before, this idea of being a part of the whole, um, the sense of closeness, the sense of peace, also one of the names of God. (laughs) Um, In this moment, see, there's nothing else that needs to be, right? So in this moment, this idea of being a child of the moment, also very much embedded in the Islamic tradition, just caring about not the future not the past just right here and now Mm -hmm. nothing else that needs to be God is one right (laughs) one of my favorite ayahs saying it means everything on earth will vanish right everything we know it will be gone (laughs) but the face of God that will remain so I think sometimes we get a taste of that in the moments where we realize that 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 will happen and that that is the truth of things right until you're holy here with me and that's that's a joke <laughs> right because it's it's this wordplay of holy mm-hmm. like completely and then holy um, which is it fits very well within this idea of the insan al kamil, like the complete person, which is something to aim for. And then this idea of like a holy person, <laughs> uh, so like a wali, like a, a friend of God, yeah. and those being the same things. And then in the English, it also being a very similar in the English, <laughs> in English, it also being a, a similar yeah. word, right? Uh, so that's 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 funny to me. <laughs> um, and then just oh love let's have a cup of tea so also this idea of god is a beloved right
3: yeah
2: and i'm not saying that this is it's just it's not that either it's about tea or it's about god or it's about love or it's about capitalism right it's all of them mm-hmm. and i feel like that is much of what the quran is to me mm-hmm. and so often we only talk about the quran in that tea level right yeah exactly and it's not that the tea level isn't true it's just that it, it's injustice to the text to only talk about the tea yeah. and not talk about the rest. Right. Um, so, yeah, I love that song. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, it is a very simple song, and that's its power.
0: <laughs> wow. Amazing. Truly amazing. So a lot of your songs, um, I would call sort of, of the social justice, um, you know, like genre, and the first one that we that we did, which I absolutely love, is City of Angels. Um, which is, you know, maybe you can just tell us about how City of Angels came about.
2: Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, maybe first to say why the social justice songs to me are such an important part of the album. And I think it came up a bit, right? So this idea of faith really not having meaning when it's not paired with action. So so often in the Qur'an, like, people are spoken to as those who have faith and act righteously, right? Like, they're two parts of the same coin, two sides of the same coin. So I felt like we need to reflect that in the album as well. So not only have all of these philosophical songs about God being one, but also having like the practical hands-on of what that then means, right? um, So City of Angels, (laughs) it's like my joke to say that it's it's my love song for LA. Los Angeles. Yeah, Los Angeles. (laughs) Oh, I'm so L.A. I I just... Yeah, (laughs) everyone knows (laughs) L.A. So, yeah, I I moved to L.A. for my studies. And, um, yeah, I think it's my least favorite place I ever lived. (laughs) Um, And, I mean, this is... um, This song is very much dedicated to a very... To a specific person. It's dedicated to Stevie, who is one of the first people I met in L.A. Um, when I lived for a little while subletting this apartment in Santa Monica. And Stevie was my neighbor. He uh, also lived on Santa Monica Boulevard. Only difference was he lived on the corner of the street. And um, from my bedroom, and from the kitchen space I shared um, I could see Stevie. I would look right into his space, his temporal home and um, I had been worried about going to a city where there is such a big problem with an unhoused population or such a lack of resources and quite honestly, a lack of care, in all of the senses of that word. (laughs) Um, And I've been worried about it because I knew that once I was going to be part of the situation, I was going to be responsible for it as well, right? So this is like, when we talk about the songs, I'm not worried about those, but I'm worried about this, right? Because as soon as you become... Who am I kidding? Right now I'm a part of that system, right? We're all a part of that system. Um, So that's a huge responsibility. Um, so, I remember calling with a friend and just saying um, how, do I, how do I act Islamically in this city? How, how, how am I a just person in this city? Because, I mean, just if you take one of the sayings of the Prophet seriously, right? The saying um, He is not a believer Who has his stomach filled while his neighbour is hungry There are no believers in Abhay there's always a hungry neighbor. No believers. Right? If we just for once <laughs> take a social justice hadith literal. Which is I know. <laughs> but you have a huge problem, right? That's a that's a that's a corrupted city. Um so I remember I had a good phone call with a friend and my friend was like, Well, I mean if if that's a problem to you then just share your share your meal. <laughs> right? The, the solution seems to be easy as as straightforward as <laughs> the hadith. Um, so that was a great ex- a great example of me being stupid <laughs> and <laughs> being in my head about things <laughs> and just forgetting that Stevie was actually a guy who was my neighbor and who I could have a chat with, right? So we met and I think honestly, Stevie is one of the the people in LA I connected with the most. Mm-hmm. So after a while, Stevie became my. We became regular tea friends. <laughs> so we would have tea together. We have dinners together a couple of times, and the song is very much written by Stevie because it's mm-hmm. it's based on his experiences on what he shared with me. Um, and the song is very much not. I I don't feel good when I hear the song because it's very much a critique of myself right so when there is the contrasting line and the second pre-chorus where it's on your mattress with silk sheets you dim the lights of the street and you pray you may stay in the way of the elite that is about me Mm. (laughs) right and that's not the the part you want to be about you want to have about yourself but it's true because wealth is always relative and in that situation i was the wealthy one and I have a responsibility. And I'm not sure I lived up to it. I don't think I did. Because in the end, what practical difference did I make? Nothing. Nothing. So, I only had a month in Santa Monica. And just the week before I left, Stevie got noticed that he needed to leave the place. Because, of course... Um, I mean, there are some legal measures in place that make it... That, um, that help people not to get arrested when they're on the street, when they have nowhere else to go because technically you're not allowed to, you know, um, be such a barrier on public property. Um, but after a while you get noticed that it's time for you to move to a different spot um, and that they need to clean it for sanitary reasons. Um, so he got notice, he knew uh, he would have to leave soon and it actually took longer than we expected so we we said our goodbyes every time and um, in the end on the same day I moved um, I'm still not even sure what the correct word is for it, right? it's like a raid they Mm. called cleaning so um, I left on my bus to go to the new apartment and as I left they pulled up and they um, yeah they 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 took Stevie and they took his belongings, and probably to to move him to downtown. Um, and <laughs> I mean, I think the most beautiful conversations we had was um, about our dreams. Mm. <laughs> and mm, Stevie's dream was to become an astronaut. <laughs> 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 And Stevie always thought my dreams were silly, because <laughs> they weren't big enough. <laughs> and I think he was right, you know, because why waste your dreams on <laughs> silly things? But um, Do you know how one was- of our dreams was, our, it's, an, it's a deal. We made a deal to meet again in 25 years, and to, uh, you know, catch up see how we're doing mm. and that that was an act of resistance for him to say that because people don't survive long on the street yeah. especially once you're there for a while it gets harder and harder to leave the street right um, but you know actually saying this explicitly I hope this is gonna be the the tool for us to meet again in 25 <laughs> years, cause we didn't there was no way to stay in touch right um, do you know how old he uh, was I think he said he was, um, beginning 50? Um, yeah. So Stevie, can you hear this? (laughs) You've got a Um, date in 25 years. you got a song. (laughs) (laughs) A song.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's an amazing story. Thank you for sharing that. I mean, you know, these, I know that like this music is so personal and so painful sometimes, Um, um, maybe all the time, um, you know, and, and uh, that's part of the power of, I think, we're, we're receiving it, you know, we're hearing it, and, like, City of Angels was something that was actually, because, you know, we lived in L.A. for many years, and so it's the same thing, part of that population, and it's a really hard, hard reality to face. Um, so we have just a few more songs to finish talking about, and all of them have such a, you know, a personal, like, a very unique, um, style and, and element to them but if maybe let's start with Tide because Tide is really unique in its own way maybe you could tell us about that
2: yeah so Tide is the only rap song on the album and I personally just love the idea of having an azan <laughs> and a rap song on the same album yes, exactly. <laughs> I, but I just like that just you know because I feel like a lot of what I fell in love with with the Islamic tradition was diversity mm-hmm. and this idea of true diversity. So I like to. I like the fact that that's reflected in the album, right? Um, And I mean, so Tide is inspired by the hip hop tradition, which is very much a tradition in which injustices are called out, right? Um, I mean, it's also a big tradition, so that's not all the tradition is about. (laughs) And it's a living thing, it's evolving, right? But that's a part of the musical genre that strikes me, that I love about it. Um, So, yeah, Tide was written, I I wrote Tide um, during the early days of the protests in Iran, and I think that's the context that inspired the specific topic for me. but so I would say, Tai is very much stronger. about rising up against injustice, pain, pain. and specifically future, also gender-based attacks. injustice or misogyny, violence against women, uh, oppression of women, um, and it's. Built up from two of two parts, so there's a part specifically addressing the brothers, <laughs> and then there's a part specifically addressing the sisters. Because um, I mean, it's it's like we talked about being a part of the system in L.A. Everyone that's a part of the system is a part of keeping it uh, keeping it going, right? So it's silly to just point at one group of the population. And, um, so. The yeah, I think the Tide speaks know, for itself, a lot and of the lyrics speak for itself, our hearts, for themselves. One of the musical um, aspects so that, that is in it is the fact right. that every right. 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 time the chorus it's comes a back a voice is added, which really for me symbolizes this idea of a movement starting with one brave voice, and then slowly voices joining the movement until you create true social change, right? I believe in true change, you I me, mean, them by your sister's I feel like oftentimes we don't recognize the changes that have happened no, no, and if we, we do that just other, a little bit no more, the changes that have happened both for them, the better and the worse, <laughs> right, because change is not in and of itself positive. Um, we see that change is very much possible and that things are constantly changing and that we just need brave voices to be willing to be that lone voice for people to join.
0: Um, yeah, so that's what Tide's about. It's, it's a great song. And you, you actually then reminded me about um, the event, the second event that you're going to include on the album, and you can talk about that, and the idea of diversity and justice, and all that goes in with that piece.
2: Yeah, so... I... Um, I love listening to Qur'an recitation. And I think... Quran recitation for me it's music and I know that that may be a controversial thing to say sometimes because a lot of the discussion about music when there is discussion about music clearly the line is drawn with Quran recitation because that's a a sphere in and of itself well (laughs) I mean it's melody it's rhythm it's a very set rhythm right The, the language determines the rhythm but it's music. <laughs> and I remember, I mean, I expressed this once and then I was afraid to express it again because of the re- reaction, but who cares? <laughs> um, when I recite the Qur'an, I feel like I'm reading music. It's it's a very similar experience to me as when I'm reading a musical piece because th- the instructions are there, right? So the rhythm is in the text.
3: Yeah.
2: It's like, a, it's like an, but there's also space for improvisation. And that's where the melody line comes in, right? Mm -hmm. To follow your heart. So for me, Qur'anic recitation is very much a musical experience. And um, right now, I think in many of the recitation styles we hear, it's very much an Arab musical experience, right? So um, a lot of the classical modes of Qur'an recitation stem from arabic musical i mean arab is to to shadow cuz there there's great persian turkish traditions but more general and i don't like the term middle eastern but ah, difficult <laughs> 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 right um either way there are clearly some traditions that are underrepresented some musical traditions that are underrepresented within this um field of quran recitation and the modes and musical themes that are used. And actually one of the first Qur'an recitations that felt soothing to me, because what feels soothing to you in terms of music is very much about the music you grew up with
3: mm-hmm.
2: and the, the, the skills that feel home, like mm-hmm. home to you, was African styles of reciting. And specifically like West African styles of recitation. So there is this particular way of reciting in which the pentatonic scale is used. Which is a whole tone scale so there are equal differences between all of the notes normally a scale uh, or music finds its color through the different distances and then i mean even in the arabic modes there are even smaller distances than half distances so it gets very colorful Mm -hmm. (laughs) um but this pentatonic scale there there is only whole notes differences so the difference between every note is equal and it gives it a very unique feeling. Mm. Um, It feels like a major scale because it has those um, whole tone differences, but it's also not a major scale because major scales do have um, the half tone differences as well. So what I like about this scale is the fact that to me it represents this idea of radical equality. Mm. So the difference between every note is the same, and every note is in harmony or is potentially in harmony with the other mm. and i just love the idea of that mm. when reciting the quran and then to tie that in with the fact that right now it's kind of like a, a style of recitation that's frowned upon like mm. that's not proper cultured right arab <laughs> recitation <laughs> right um i like that <laughs> Do you know the fact that because yes. that makes the idea of the equality aspect of it even stronger. Mm. Um, so that's why I like to recite in this. I, I I mean I but just being honest, I like this idea but I also just like how it makes me feel. Mm. So it personally gives me peace because of the place I grew up in and the fact that it's more close to a major scale within the Western tradition. So I I love to listen to African reciters,
0: specifically West African reciters. Um, yeah. So that's the story of the second event. That's fabulous, and in balance with the first one, is that they're so different, but they're both so, so beautiful. Absolutely. Okay. Thank you. So now we have. Um, I'm gonna let you choose because one is sort of interesting. The message, which is, um, well, I don't want to say much because. Yeah. Let's talk about that. Okay. So tell us about <laughs> the message because <laughs> we have salt. a subtitle for that name too or that song too, right? Yeah, Um,
2: this song I wrote here in Ohio, (laughs) Uh, and it's the the country song of the album, and I never thought I would write a country song, not because I have anything against country, it's just not my usual mode of expression, Um, I don't listen to country music a lot, I don't play it a lot, Um, it's not really a thing where I'm from. Um, <laughs> so everything about where did it come from <laughs> i honestly don't know grace i honestly I, I it's a puzzle to me i mean it's it's from influence right so it, i heard it in, in i don't know public spaces um and i the moment it happened it was just i sat down and i was like okay i want to just play the guitar for a little bit this is often how things start. <laughs> and then I found myself playing this, these chords, uh, the, the opening of the song. And then I just started playing with it because I thought it was funny. I was like, oh my God, this, is, this sounds so Ohio. <laughs> so I started playing with it. But I actually, I didn't write it out into a song because I was like, okay, that's not, <laughs> that, that's just fun. And then a little while later, I still remembered. And usually for me, when I still remember something from a little jam session or whatever you want to call it, it to me it's an indication, okay, I need to work with that. Because, mm. I mean, even if you take away any idea of guidance or whatever, then still it's this idea of, okay, so it's catchy enough that it's ticked with me, right? So it, it's something that works. Mm-hmm. But of course, for me, there's a, la- there's a layer of guidance as well. <laughs> mm. um, so, um, yeah, then I played around with it. And the idea that came to me was to write a song that's so, so Islamic, (laughs) but also so, so very country. (laughs) So I think the first time I I told you I wrote this song, I said, I wrote a song and I would describe it as Bob Dylan meets Hadith. (laughs) So Hadith are the narrations of the Prophet, uh, Prophet Muhammad. (laughs) and <laughs> um yeah so that's literally what the song is so the the verses are more inspired by the music and the writing style of bob dylan specifically the song um blowing in the wind mm-hmm. so there's this line in that song that goes uh, how many times must the cannonballs fly before they are forever banned that's like the model phrase of the verses so it's all of these questions the first one being How many times must the truth reach our eyes before fools become wise and turn to action? Mm. So, because, I also, I don't want to say that, uh, that I think that Bob Dylan's songs are not Islamic. I think Bob Dylan's songs (laughs) are actually very Islamic most of the times, right? But it depends on how small we make Islam, right? Mm. Because to me, it relates to this idea of, um, you know, in the Quran, we're told that there was never a prophet that was sent or a messenger that was sent that did not speak in the language of the people he was sent to. And then the reason that's given for that is so the message would be clear. Right. <coughs> right so that's what the sentence here, the message clearly spoken, refers to in the, in the yeah. song. Yeah, beautiful. Um, and that relates also just to this idea that, you know, wisdom, wherever we find it, mm-hmm. we're taught. It's the lost property of the believer, which relates to the fact that they, we're told that there have been countless prophets, right? I, I think the numbers go crazy, like 124,000 right. <laughs> prophets we don't know about that have been sent to their people in their language, within their cultural settings, and that everywhere around us we can find the traces of what they once taught. So maybe Bob Dylan's songs are the traces, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> the hikmah the wisdom. Of some prophet we didn't know about mm. that's still in the culture, um, so I guess this song plays with the idea of what would a truly Ohioan American <laughs> message. What would the message sound like in Ohio? Right. Um, and the the I mean, it's pretty much the song is all plagiarism. So the the, <laughs> the chorus is it's just the hadith. It's just the saying of the prophet. Um, which is a beautiful saying about social justice, about justice in general, about responsibility, right? So it's a it's a very famous saying that uh, whoever encounters an evil or an injustice, they have a responsibility to change it with their hands. And if they cannot do that, then they should change it with their tongue. And if they cannot do that, then they should fight it in their heart. But that is the least, like yeah. that is the, the, the lowest level of faith. right? And that's such a strong message. I feel like that would resonate with so many people. But oftentimes it just doesn't reach people because it's packed mm-hmm. in a very culturally specific package, which is completely opposite from what I feel like we're taught by this idea that every prophet came speaking the language of their people. Right. right. So why are we speaking in a language that people don't understand?
0: That's so. It's so beautiful. And you had mentioned to me before we did this conversation that... You don't often talk about your songs, yeah. And, you know, and so one. I'm really grateful that you're sharing because I just feel there's so much wisdom in what you're saying, and it's really also important that you mentioned that a lot of people who are not Muslim might hear the the lyrics and think, "Oh, that's actually really nice," but not really know that that is something that is Quranic or Islamic, right? And so. Um, it's an important point of education for people, you know, because there's so many conceptions that Islam is or the Quran is something that's not it's the book of violence. Right? Yeah, right. Yeah. And so I think people would be surprised to know that so much beauty comes from these very, you know, intuitive verses. So that's so. I mean,
2: I know I was surprised, right? <coughs> <laughs> so uh, of course, uh, other people who grew up in those same Islamophobic uh, environments are also surprised it's like it's not a strange thing to be surprised but it is it starts to become concerning when you start seeing the beauty Mm -hmm. but you're still not willing to engage because of
0: those ideas in your head right right Right. yeah or sometimes it's like a for me like as a convert i hear the same essence of the message from somewhere else Mm -hmm. and it's like oh this is a christian idea this is a jewish idea or this is just a you know spiritual idea as if it has no you know like anchor And uh, people get so excited, it's so brilliant, but it's like, you know what, that's Quranic, it's Islamic, you know, it's part of our tradition.
2: See, but that doesn't bother me as much, because for me, like, Islam is not just, oh, there's Christianity and Judaism and there's Islam. For me, it's like, yeah, you know, Islam is like this idea of anyone who submits, Mm -hmm. right? So. That Christian man who 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 expressed that wisdom may be a much better Muslim than I will ever be. Right,
0: right? of course. Yeah. But just
2: because it, it it has a different meaning to me. I I think something can be, 100% a an indigenous wisdom, mm-hmm. and still be Islamic without okay. me branding it as a Hadith. <laughs> right. Right. But exactly. just at its root, right. because it comes from that oneness. Right.
0: And I, and I, but I love that what, what your music brings is to say, hey, you know, this actually, Islam is, it can come from Islam, right? And not that it's not ever going to come from Islam, because mm-hmm. that religion is so backwards. Right. so humane. Look at what people do, you know, and so this is the power, and then it comes delivered through this beautiful vehicle, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I, w- so, then let's talk about the unsung, unsung song, it's a little bit of a, Twister, um which I think also relates to what we're talking about it's so beautiful so tell us about the unsung song
2: yeah unsung song um, um I think this song it has many layers many layers and I feel like I can relate to this song differently in different stages or with different emotions but I feel like the core message of the song is it's it's a, a way for me it relates to this idea of art and the creative process in a way as something that's very much tied to all of creation and that's very much a natural process to be in right So I, I always I love I love the word inspiration. I know these people will hate it because it gives this idea of oh you're not doing anything and it just comes and. But I kind of feel like sometimes it's like that. <laughs> but <laughs> I like the word inspiration because when you really look at the word, at what it literally means, where it comes from, mm. it has this meaning of to inhale. Mm. So spiritus, like the Latin, refers to the breath. So inspiration is the act of inhaling. And that, I mean, in the Latin you see this connection of spiritus, to the spirit mm-hmm. right so which is also very much in the islamic tradition the city of ruh, right this thing we don't really know what it is but it's related to something that was uh, breathed into us mm-hmm. and it always makes me think you know i would never claim my breath i would never say this breath this inhalation and this exhalation they're mine like the and it feels as silly to say that about my art, <laughs> right? Because it's it's something that goes through you. It, it, it's an experience. Um, so I guess that also ties into this whole idea of the creative spro- process as something spiritual, something that's tied to this idea of trust, tawakul, that whoever is the one that you know, feeds the birds every day and gives me the words you know, to this sentence even though I know I have no idea where I'm going. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's trusting that you will reach that end and trusting that you will end up with that song that, that you need to write. Or that piece of art it's you, like you need to
0: write. The divine, yeah, with
2: you. I guess I'm I'm not sure whether it's definitely it's for me the creative process is about a connection and then I mean just to throw in another one of the names right <laughs> a connection to al Musawir, like the shaper mm. so being a part temporarily of this process of shaping and working with what's out there and not creating because it's already there but shaping and yeah. You know, the same way that a pregnant woman can be a part of that process of, you know, there, it's not just about, or uh, when you're cooking your food. <laughs> it's not just about the creative process, or maybe the creative process is bigger than we we want to think about it, but, um, yeah, that makes it, it makes it an act of worship to me. Yeah, yeah. Um, but this song, <laughs> um, I forgot, yeah, so... That's one of the layers it touches upon, for me. So this idea of just just singing with the birds, right? The birds, they get their song from somewhere. They don't know. They wouldn't claim it as theirs. <laughs> so uh, interacting with that or integrating with that. And it's also about, it's also about this, it, it, it also expresses a deep grief about the state of singing in our modern society and the way in which singing has become this thing that only talented people can do and that is very much about the ego Mm -hmm. (laughs) and um, that has been channeled into these competitions right and singers have become these huge idols like we don't even hide it we call the show idols like we don't even care anymore (laughs) that's so sad (laughs) because singing is such a powerful tool for processing for I mean I feel like it's a part of the Islamic tradition right in Quran recitation in calling the Adam we're actively told to use our voice Mm. um, and not to use our voice to 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 get money or to get fame or to get praise but to use our voice to connect with that innate state of being and I feel like a lot of people are afraid to use their voice in that way because they're taught that they are not one of those exceptional talents, so yeah. their voice is not worthy to be heard. Right. I never read that in <clears> the <throat> <Oran>. recite, <laughs> 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 except for those of you who have known. <laughs> no, it doesn't say that, right? Yeah. That's stupid. So <laughs> it's stupid. Yeah. Like the best choirs are those with the diversity of voices, right? Mm-hmm. Where all of those different voices come together and. It really, it pisses me off. <laughs> <laughs> the anger is coming up. I hate it. Because I, I once tried to do this thicker circle in in the Netherlands. And I'm so glad that a lot of people showed up. But a lot of people also didn't show up. Mm. Why? I don't, I can't sing. It's like, it's you can sing and it's not about sounding pretty. It's right. not. It, I mean, just, it's not about you. <laughs> right so that's another layer to the song and then i mean a a, a last layer would be this idea that sometimes we need to express things Mm. right and it doesn't even have to be through singing but i feel like this idea of an unsung song that you carry with you because you're you're ashamed or you're you feel like I mean, I feel like sometimes it's this feeling that you feel like it will become real again or it will hurt you again when you express it. Mm-hmm. Um, and just actually feeling the relief of expressing those things, mm-hmm. those things we don't want to talk about. And I'm not, I mean, <laughs> we've had conversations about this, I'm not for sharing everything with everyone, absolutely mm-hmm. not. <laughs> um, but I think keeping everything to yourself is equally destructive.
0: Yeah. Thank you. That was very deep and beautiful. I mean, so we only have one song left to discuss, which is Roots. So, which is one of my absolute favorites, which is really (laughs) hard to say. All of them are my favorites. I could easily say that about all of the songs. But, but Roots is very, very special. So there's so many different reasons. Can you tell us about Roots? So,
2: Roots is a song I didn't plan to record at all. It was. I was thinking, how can I thank all of you for once again all of the gratitude or all of the uh, generosity? <laughs> I couldn't find the word. All of the generosity, all of the support, um, all of the love. Um, and I just thought, okay, I'm I'm gonna write them a song. <laughs> um, so this song is to me a, a song about Usudi, a song about all of you, a song about the core of what I believe is the strength of Usuri, of what it stands for. And of course, it's I wrote it, so it's it's from my perspective, right? So, um, but. To me, this, this, so there's this idea of usuri um, as the foundations or the, the foundational principles or the roots, right? Like the, the essence. So that's how it ties to this song about roots. And I mean, I think it's also it's very much about dealing with all of the hate that gets thrown your way. And responding to it with love from a place that is rooted in love. I think w- one of my I keep saying one of my favorite verses in the Quran, but you know that's <laughs> 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 it's like, me it's a, like my, being my a part of the halakas, right? Every yeah. time after we <laughs> do a Quran study circle, I'm like, oh, that's my favorite. <laughs> um, but one of my favorite verses in the Quran, it's the first, where it's stated. Um, That if you um, respond to whatever bad is thrown your way with that which is better, that your enemy will become your friend or will become a dear friend. And I think for a long time I struggled with that. A lot of my favorite verses I actually struggled with. Because um, I was like, that's not true. Because <laughs> uh, sometimes you you can be really, really nice to someone for a really long time, and you it's like an active struggle. <laughs> mm. And then they still don't become your friend. They're still awful to you. Right? <laughs> I was like, it's not true. <laughs> and then uh, the response I got was, oh yeah, just wait. But I'm not. I'm not stupid. <laughs> I know it's. Not, I mean, of course. Who knows, <laughs> right? Things may always happen. But I, I, I don't know. To me, it was like, that cannot, that cannot be the only, that, that needs to be the T layer of the meaning, right? There must yeah. be something else. <laughs> <laughs> um, and to me, the verse only be, really spoke to me when I read it in the sense of, um, in the sense of the fact that your enemies can be, can give you things that your friends will never be able to give you. Right? So your enemies can give you the gift of the opportunity to show patience. The opportunity to exercise justice. Or the opportunity to bring that light into a situation of darkness. And I mean it's great to have friends to just have this sense of peace together but in the bigger scheme of things
0: yeah
2: the other the other gift is greater
0: mm-hmm.
2: when you can actually act upon it and return that which is evil with something that's better
3: yeah
2: so then in the bigger picture your enemies are actually closer than your friends right or mm-hmm. they are they're almost more valuable mm-hmm. because they give you something that your friends in all of their I mean, maybe I'm idealizing. I have some friends that definitely give me the opportunity to <laughs> <laughs> exercise patience, right? But I mean, if we just have right. that strict dichotomy, then yes, your enemies can be closer than your friends mm-hmm. for they give you a gift that your friends never could. Yeah. Um, so there's this idea of being rooted in that response of love and giving... Not because you're naive um not because you're a people pleaser, but because you're rooted in that sense of love, connecting to this idea of divine love, right, which is not a naive kind of being in love uh sending flowers, nothing wrong with that, beautiful, mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's not the div- that that's not all of the layers that divine love is about, right It's also about standing for justice and also bringing light and continuing to give light even when you're surrounded by darkness so maybe one last thing to mention is that in this chorus of the song there are, there are a couple of references um, or I mean one major reference which is this idea of um, this idea of like like being rooted, like a good word, right? So that's a Quranic mm-hmm. metaphor, mm-hmm. which I think is, is such a beautiful metaphor. Um, can you explain it a little bit more? Yeah, so it's I'm I'm trying to remember my own lyrics, but. <laughs> <laughs> um, what is it again? Well, it's it's, I can I can tell you the the reference. The reference is uh, this beautiful ayah from, uh, Surah Ibrahim. Yes, (laughs) that, uh, deals with this parable of a good word, good speech, being like a good tree that is firmly rooted and has its branches extending to the heavens. And I guess this song is kind of a reflection of what that metaphor meant to me mm-hmm. which doesn't mean that's like the only thing the metaphor can. I feel like we, we've, we're we there by now right so <laughs> it can have many meanings and right, it's beautiful right, and course. they're all true <laughs> but that's because to me it made sense in the sense of that um, these branches then once you're firmly rooted even if the winds keep coming right the lyrics of the song even if the winds keep coming if you're firmly rooted and your branches grow out and one day the fruits will come off. Mm -hmm. I mean the wind can keep blowing, it doesn't matter because those seeds are gonna fall and they're gonna sprout and they're gonna be rooted and they're gonna grow branches and fruits are gonna fall, right? Um, So as long as those roots stay in love then... and whatever evil comes your way, you return it with what is better. I truly believe that that will make a lasting impact, if God wants it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I have to thank you so much because this has been, um, you know, a better session than I could ever have imagined. Um, I've learned so much and I I feel like it's been a bit of a religious experience, you know. (laughs) Because um, what you shared is, it's so personal but so deep and so, um, you know, pertinent to every human being and it just demonstrates to me the power of, you know, not just music in the most, you know, like superficially you hear something nice, it makes you feel good, but the layers of meaning, like the thought that went into it, even the knowledge, the understanding of, you know, the tradition and the, the reflection of, you know, like, okay, what does this mean? Um, for our relationship with the Divine, our relationship with other people, for our relationship with ourselves, um, and integrating and synthesizing all of this deep, beautiful wisdom, you know, bringing it back to God and the Qur'an and, you know, and then the music and your personal experience has just been such a wonderful experience and, you know, I know this is difficult to share because it's, you know, with any art you get really vulnerable, you know, but it means so much. and. So I'm so grateful to you, and thank you for this time. Thank you. I think you can't hear these songs um, the same way after you know that. You know, it just builds that relationship, and so it just makes this whole album even more spectacular and more meaningful. So thank you so much, and I I really pray that um, this legacy that you'll leave behind will just grow tremendous arbors of fruit <laughs> that, will <laughs> that will continue to sprout and grow and spread beauty and light everywhere and, um, you know, and inspire people. And so I think um, that's we, the inspiration, even your discussion about inspiration, that's what we all need. And uh, so beautiful. Thank you so much. Thank you for being you. Thank you for your music. Thank you for everything. And I can't wait to see how people respond to the album. Thank you so much.